Now, if you would, would you stand with me one time? (laughs) Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and it's why you're standing. Not why you're standing, but why they were standing. By which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There's a theory in Christianity, the technical term is Calvinism. Um, The street term is once you're saved, you're always saved. It's a wonderful theory. I wish it was true, Uh, but it's not true. All you got to do is read the first story in the Bible. They're in paradise, they get booted out. That doesn't sound to me like unconditional eternal security. Sounds to me like you can stay there as long as you obey the boss. And uh, Jesus said, whoever endures to the end... It's more than just starting. Whoever endures to the end, the same will be saved. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So Paul said, I'm not going to ask you to do something I didn't do first. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And that he was seen of Cephas. This is the other name. This was the name he gave to Simon Peter. You're going to be Cephas. You're going to be a stone. Then he was seen of the 12. After that, 500 people at once saw him. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. Some have died. Some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James than of all the apostles. My subject is simply, he never gives up. He never gives up. If you have a good attitude, would you sit down? It is obvious there is a theory in, I have to be careful how I word this, There is something known as the Blessed Holy Family. It says that there was Mary and Joseph and Jesus and nobody else. That the Blessed Holy Family numbered three. But there's a problem with that theory. And this is my problem with it. This is Matthew chapter 13, 55 and 56. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? So, as far as I'm concerned, the Blessed Holy Family numbered at least nine. You got Mary and Joseph and Jesus. There are four what I'll call half-brothers, because they had the same mom, just had a different dad. And at least... Two half-sisters, maybe more, but it's sisters, plural. So, that's nine. I've never heard anybody teach about it, but did you ever stop to think about the sibling rivalry that had to be in that family? They all knew mom looked at Jesus different. They all knew. Kids being kids, there's no doubt in my mind 
Them boys talked behind his back. Them girls talked. What is it with our oldest brother? What's so special about him? Years ago, there used to be something, a duet known as the Smothers Brothers. I'm dating myself now. Uh, Tommy Smothers always said, Mom always loved you more than me. Tommy Smothers was the the uh, Robert Barone of the 70s, okay? And uh, I can hear it now. Mom always loved you best. Why, are, why is he getting treated so different than the rest of us? It is very obvious from the Bible. His siblings didn't believe in him. This is Matthew chapter 12. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without. Mark said the same thing in Mark 3. Luke said the same thing. Your family's outside. You're here teaching. They're not in the Bible class. They're outside. This is what it says in uh, the book of Mark chapter 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where does God get this stuff from? From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? Watch. The other verse said, is not this the carpenter's son? Joseph is gone by now. Joseph probably died. And the greatest teacher this world was ever known, has ever known, was raised by a single mom. Is not. I think Jesus took up the slack. I think Jesus is now the carpenter in the shop. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. That's not just the, that's, that's his brothers and sisters included. They're offended at him. Joseph, who I believe is the greatest type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Knew what it felt like to be shunned by his family. David, the great namesake of Jesus. His dad didn't even think to include him in the lineup when the prophet came to anoint a king. It's obvious in the word. His brothers and sisters didn't believe in him and they didn't follow his ministry. It's one of the reasons I think he said this. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoso speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it won't be forgiven. Jesus had a dual nature. If you're a student of Bible history, years ago there was a debate between two guys. Arius and Athanasius. Arius said that Jesus was all man. 
Athanasius said, you're wrong. He was all God. They had a debate. Athanasius won the debate. They burned Arius at the stake, which was quite an incentive to win the argument. And Athanasius is the basis of something known as the Athanasian Creed. Very God of very God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-majestic. Truth is, both of them were right. He was the God-man. The God-man. As a man, he was the child born. As a man, he walked by the water. As a man, he ate bread and fish. But as God, he was the son given. As God, he walked on water. As God, he multiplied the bread and fish and fed 5,000 people. The great miracle is that the lion became the lamb and never ever stopped being the lion. That the root of Jesse was also the branch and never ceased being the root. Brother Lindsay Morse-Golder taught me this. Mary's God became Mary's baby, but never stopped being Mary's God. He came, but he was here all the time. He went away and he never left. He's coming back. And he's been here all the while. And he's something. And he's something. Paul said, there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus warned even his, eter- his earthly family. See, he was son of man and son of God. He said, if you say something about the son of man, I'll forgive you. I'll let that slide. But when my spirit lifts up that dead, buried body, and you still think I'm just a man, I'm not going to let you get away with that. They didn't follow him. In fact, This is what it says in John 19 and verse 26. He's on the cross now. Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved. And he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. And then he said to that disciple, John, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Why did this, why didn't Jesus give him to James or Joseph or Simon or Jude? Or at least one of them girls. I'll tell you why. Because none of them were at the cross. And he gave his mom to John the disciple and told him, you take care of her now. She's your responsibility. The truth be told, I am convinced that his brothers and sisters were grateful that the charade was finally over. Maybe now we can, our mom will see that he wasn't what she thought he was. 
He was just a man like the rest of us. Just another indication of the bond between Jesus and John the disciple. Because if you know your Bible, John is unique. He wrote five books in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then there's the last book in the New Testament called Revelation, written by John. But right before that, there's three short books. First John, second John, third John. Listen how the second John begins. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Lots of writers believed John was talking to the church. I have never believed that. I've always believed he was talking to Mary. The word elected is a Greek word which means favored or highly favored. No wonder Luke said, the angel said unto her, fear not Mary for thou hast found favor with God. I think he wrote a book to the woman that was Jesus' mother, the elect lady, and would go on to say, I have no greater joy then my children walk in truth. Because she's got great joy now. Her children are in the church. Somewhere things changed. When and where did that change occur? The answer is very obvious. Resurrection. Resurrection. Matthew chapter 12 Certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. He answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. And there shall no sign be given but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold a greater than Jonah is here. Now watch what he said just four verses later. While he yet talked to the people, behold his mother and his brothers stood without desiring to speak with him. And they said, you know, Your mother, your brothers, they're outside. But he answered and said unto him, Who is my mother? And who is my brother? And he stretched forth his hands toward the people and the disciples, and he said, Behold my mother and my brother. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. See, it was a great miracle when Mary gave birth to Jesus. But it was a greater miracle when Jesus gave birth to her. Because if you study the book of Acts chapter 2, it says there was about 120 there. We know the names of 16 of those people that were there. 
And one of them we know for sure was there was Mary, his mother. See, Mary needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like everybody else. And if you stay the book of Acts, which is the diary of the early church, Mary was not given a place of prominence in that early church. She was just one of the believers like everybody else. Just a thought. There are over 200 religions in this world right now that are named after their founder. Religions like Buddhism, Confucianism, Joseph Smith credited with founding the Mormons, Muhammad credited with Islam, Mary Baker Eddy credited with Christian science. All of those founders are dead and gone except one. Our founder is still alive. Still alive. It is obvious to me that Jesus made special trips to people who were special in his life. When he resurrected, he made sure Peter, Peter saw it. Then the 12, welcoming the new 12th man whose name was Matthias. Judas Iscariot is gone. I'm sure Jesus welcomed him to the team. 500 people at once saw him. And then he made a very special trip. After that, he was seen of James. There are several men in the Bible called James. This is his half-brother. What an amazing story that even though them boys weren't interested in him, Jesus never gave up on them. The book of Acts tells the story of a young man named Eutychus. Paul is going to Rome. He's never coming back. I think I understood Stan how he felt. If I knew this was the last time I was ever going to preach to First Church. I'd be up here for a while. Paul, this is his last message to these people. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. I love these next verses. When he therefore was come up again and had broken the bread and eaten and talked a long while even till break of day, so he departed. It says in this verse here, verse number nine, preacher preached a long time. Eutychus falls asleep and falls out of a three-story window when they run down to get him. They said he's dead. But I love what Paul said in verse number 10. 
there's still life in him. That's what every elder should say. My wife and I did a Bible class a week ago about one of the problems that I personally have observed in every church in America right now. Every church in America has this problem. Elders are upset at the music, at what's going on. He's entitled young people. And young people were upset at the elders, basically saying, why don't you just get out of the way and let us, we can do a much better job than you did. That friction exists in every church. The answer is what the word says. We need to be subject one to the other. Everyone with gray hair in this church ought to be an encourager of the young people. Every elder in this church. Don't you just be the first to run down there and say, he's dead. You be the first one to say, nope, I think we can save this one. I think this young man can still make it. We buried my dad a few months ago. My dad was famous in this church for walking among these young people. And they all told about it. How regardless of where they were, my daddy put his arm around him and said, you're a good one. And you're going to make it. Now I want to know who's going to take Harry's place. George Jones wrote a song years ago. Says this. Who's going to fill their shoes? Who's going to stand that tall? Who's going to sing at the Opry in the Wabash Cannonball? Who's going to give their heart and soul to get to me and you? Lord, I wonder who's going to fill their shoes. George was talking about you know, country western singers that were dead and gone. I'm talking about elders that are dead and gone. I want to know who's going to fill their shoes. I want to know who's going to be willing to give their heart and soul to get to this next generation. And while these precious elders are doing their best to be encouragers and speak words of faith to young people, don't you be no entitled snot-nosed brat because you didn't build this. You, do, you weren't even born yet. You'd be grateful. I see preachers come take churches and Bible said, thou shalt not steal. I get really mad when I see some entitled preacher's boy. It's the dirty underbelly of Pentecost when a preacher gives the church to a son that's not consecrated just so he can keep the business in the family name. And it guarantees his retirement, you see. Now, I've seen it work. I really have because the son of a priest is a priest. And I do believe that whether that man is a preacher or not, he's probably predisposed to be in the ministry. My problem is kids that all they've seen are the suits and the cars and the nice restaurants and the conferences and conventions. And they think that's ministry. I don't know how many people through the years have said, I want to know how I can serve my pastor. I want you to understand something. I didn't come here to be served. You don't cut my grass. I'll wash my own car. 
You want to give me a birthday? Thank you for the cards. I love, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't enjoy the money and the gift cards and the nice things you say. But if you want to give me a present, you meet me around the throne. Let's take off our crowns together and let's throw them at the feet of the Lord. You want to give me a present? That's what I want for a present. I want to look around the throne and see you there. Made it. Yes, that's my reward. When I can stand before the Lord and give a good account. Jesus' name. I, I'm trying to explain something to you here right now. I, I just, it, it, thou shalt, I, I see young preachers taking congregations, established congregations, and leading them the wrong way. I want to grab every one of them snot-nosed preachers and say, hey, dummy, you go out and find a group of people and see if you can get enough money together to buy a piece of dirt. And then let's see if you can get enough money after that to put a building up on that dirt. And then let's see if you can pay that building off and fill that thing with people. That's what you've been given. Don't take an apostolic church another way. You don't do that kind of stuff. And I say it to our young people. You forever be grateful. For every gray hair and every bifocal and every cane and crutch and walker that's in this church. For these people that sacrifice so that you could have what you have. In Jesus' name. So I need the elders to submit themselves to the younger. And I need the youngers to subject themselves to the elders. That's the answer. Because you get your life from young people, but you get your strength from your elders. And yeah, we could have a bopping church, but it'd be weak because we don't have any gray hair. And we could have a really solid church with no kids peeing on the walls in the bathroom. Yeah, that happens. That happens. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. This is so powerful to me. I love that Paul ran down there and that kid. I wish I had time. I would talk to you about a young man that had three stories and all of them were bad. This guy had a three-story fall. I'm sure one of them stories was probably about his family. One of them was probably about a bad relationship with a girl. Another one was probably a bad story about, quote, unquote, a friend. You ever heard of David's boy by the name of Amnon who molested his sister? This is what the Bible said. And Amnon had a friend. And that was no friend. But that friend filled his spirit with such terrible things that he ended up molesting his own sister. Some of you have non-growth relationships in your life right now. They're not your friends. They're pulling you down. It's time to understand that the hardest thing and the right thing many times is the very same thing. That you've got to make up your mind. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm empathetic to our young people. I didn't have the internet when I was a teenager. If I'd have had it, I would have blown my brains out. 
But do you understand as an elder how much courage it takes to stand up and be an apostolic in this culture? Do you understand the threat of cyberbullying? I've done funerals for teenage girls that hung themselves with coat hangers because they were bullied, because that internet has become very real to our kids. And there can be such enormous pressure that's placed on them. And I wish one of you would really hit the lottery or get a lot of money. No, I don't want you to hit the lottery. We need a school. We need a school. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him. And he said, one verse said, quit crying. Life is still in him. Never give up on young people. Because Jesus never gave up on his family. It's one of the most encouraging verses I can find in the Bible. And after that, he checked all the boxes, man. Make sure I go see that guy with I gave them keys to. Make sure I go see the 12 and say hello to Matthias. Pardon me, guys. I got to go see my brother. Boy, would I love to have a video of Jesus walking in the room and saying, Hi, Jim, how you doing? Whew. And when James looked at his resurrected brother, is like, I believe. I believe. I never followed you while you were alive. Whew. How did you pull that off? Mom was right, wasn't she? You aren't like the rest of us. My Lord and my God. This is the guy that would write this. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've heard a lot of people quote that verse like this. Resist the devil and he'll flee. That's not how the scripture goes. It says, first you need to be submitted. Then you can resist Satan. But look at the next verse. You get close to God, he'll get close to you. Because God drew nigh to me. I realized he wasn't just my brother. He was my elder brother. (laughs) The real elder brother. And you will see a repeated theme in the letter of James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. This is the guy that said, can the fig tree bear olives or a vine figs? How can a fountain give salt water and fresh? And this is how he ended his letter. Brothers, if you do err from the truth, somebody needs to convert that person. 
let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Because I was double-minded one time and someone converted me from the error of my ways. And if you know your Bible, this guy, in Acts 15, which is the first fight in the New Testament church. It's over racism. Jews are upset because all these Gentiles are getting their parking spot. <laughs> Jews are upset because somebody's got their pew with that little pack on a plaque on a, my family bought this pew. You read Acts 15, James stood up and said, Peter isn't the problem here because Peter said, I went to Cornelius' house. I guess if you want to blame anybody, blame me. And James said, no, 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 no. Every prophet has agreed with what Peter has done. After this, I will come and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And the residue of men might seek after the Lord and those that call on this. Do you know what the word residue in Greek is? It's, if you've ever been around Orthodox Jews and they call you goy, or goyim, I'm not going to tell you what that means. Trust me, it's really bad. That's what that means in, in the Bible. We're the residue. We're what's left over after everything's gone. But that's why one man said, you who were not a people are now a people. You who were far from God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You understand what I'm telling you? That the half-brother of Jesus became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem because when he saw his resurrected brother, he believed. He believed. He never gave up on his family. And he won't ever give up on your family. And you should never give up on your family. As long as they're breathing, my brother, as long as there's breath in her lungs. God gave me something, and it, it, I was reading that story of the prodigal son, and the prodigal comes home, and the dad says, kill the fatted calf. And then I read it like this, kill the fatted calf. And if you read it like that, that means the servants knew exactly which cow daddy was talking about. Which means that when the boy backslid and left home and went, did stupid stuff, instead of daddy imploding and losing his faith, he instructed his service. Now you cut that one out of the herd and you start feeding him extra groceries because my boy's coming back. And when he comes back, we're going to have a picnic and we're not going to have to go to Myers, and we're not going to have to go to Kroger's to get T-bones and sirloin steak. We're going to, if, I, if I'm preaching to a mom or dad that's got a girl in trouble or a boy that's lost his way, you keep feeding the cow. Because we're going to, they're going to be a part of this church. Oh, you understand what I'm talking to you about? That's what this day is all about. That's what resurrection is all about. Confronting people who never would give you a hint and never even look at you and always are without 
But when they really do see the power of the resurrected Jesus, too many things go on in church that can be explained. There are things happening in this church right now that nobody can explain. And we want to keep on doing it. Because Jesus said, greater than these shall you do. I remember when I was in chemistry years ago, we studied something called quantitative analysis. And then there was qualitative analysis. One means quantity, one means quality. Jesus said greater things. I don't know if he meant we're going to do more than he did or if we're going to do better than he did. I just know there's nobody in the Bible got delivered by cocaine. But Jeff Woodworth is here today and God delivered him for cocaine 33 years ago. And he's in this church right now. There are things that aren't in that Bible that are in this room here right now. I believe that this Lord that we serve is telling us you can do more and you needn't do better than I did. Jesus' name, stand with me. Stand with me. If you want a dead religion, then serve a dead God. But there's plenty of them out there. But if you want a living relationship, you need to serve a living Jesus. He's available. He's available. I'm asking you to join me now. We're going to end this service around this altar. Now, I, I know we're full. I realize that. You can get up on this platform with me. You can get around this altar with me. If you can, I realize we have elders here and you're challenged with mobility. I get that. But if you could, I'd like you to just get up out of your seat and just move around this altar, on this platform, in the aisle. I don't care. Just like you to... Let it be just a confession. I'm moving. I'm not staying where I've been. I'm, this is a day I make a covenant with the Lord. Amen. Now, I don't want to get cheesy here. I've never been a money preacher. But as I get older, I get bolder. Because the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. That's only really half of a scripture. The other half of the scripture is, and without money, the vision perishes. And uh, we're building a new temple. And uh, so this is a day when we've asked you to bring your commitment cards to this altar. If you got one of them commitment cards, ask you to bring them up here, lay them up. So we got a banner here somewhere. Where is that, Pastor Michael? There it is. This is the banner that we had. See, if you're going to do this, you're probably going to have to linger around just a little while. You can't get out. This is the banner that we signed last April when we began Imagine. We, we put a challenge out to this church because as you can see, we're out of room. We've, God miraculously gave us seven acres beside of us. Catherine Bartell had three offers on her property. The lowest offer was three and a half million dollars. She already had the contract signed. All Kate Bartell had to do was sign that thing. And they would let her stay in her house until she died. And they would give her three and a half million dollars when she signed. She asked me, why should I sell the property to you? I said, because I won't sell it. And long after you're dead and gone, you'll be affecting young people and young married couples and elders. I said, Kate, don't you think we have enough condominiums in this town where you can hear the neighbor's toilet flush <laughs> two weeks later she told me I'll give you first right of refu refusal 
And I asked her, would you put that in writing? And she said, no, my word's good, even though I knew she was 92 years old. Two weeks later, her daughter came to my office on Saturday, said, mother had a stroke last night. She won't wake out of a coma. She'll die tomorrow morning. I know she liked you and you liked her. And I just wanted you to know mom's dying. I just instantly assumed the property's gone. It was early the next Sunday morning, about seven. I was here before everybody else. Kate Bartell's daughter walked in my office and in her own unique way said, who in the blankety blank are you? And I said, why? And she said, because my mother woke out of a coma last night and said, sell the land to the preacher for a hundred thousand bucks and died. So we believe God miraculously gave us seven more acres to build a new church on. Explain that. I can't, although I, I believe the Lord's in it. So here we are, because years ago I stood back there where that sound room is in mud up to my ankles. There were six beams, a little bit of a roof. And just terror came over me. And something spoke to me and said, how in the name of God are you ever going to pay for this thing? You're never going to fill it up. (laughs) That was a lie. And this thing's been paid off for a long time. And as you can see, it's more than full today. So Jesus said, occupy till I come. One translation says, keep the store open until I come back. So we're going to do business until Jesus shows up. After the church is gone, turn into a pool hall for all I care. Turn into a used car lot. I don't care. But it said he's coming back to gather up his jewels. That's what we're all about. We're trying to build a building for people we don't have names for people that aren't your Facebook friends yet, people that we have no number for, we have no email address for. We've added a lot of new families since last April. And if you're here today, you've come to me and said, we want to be a part of Imagine. So if this is your day and you've been added since last April and you want to help us, we want you to sign. We want you to sign this banner here. Put your name on it. There's a black bag there. We had a coin minted. I know it's cheesy, but I just wanted you to have something to remember the day. This is the beginning of our second year. In the spring of 25, we'll break ground on a new temple. It's a lot of money. There's a lot of people say we can't do it. But we're on schedule right now to do it financially. And the church is growing. And so we're grateful for that. 23rd, this is not the day we do the offering. There are boxes up here. So we're going to do two things right now. This is where we'll do our regular Sunday tithing and offering. There's a QR code on the screen behind me. If you do it electronically or digitally, whatever, you can do that with your phone. Grateful. If you're watching us online, on the 23rd of April is the day we're bringing our first offering of the second year. We're asking you to bring as much cash as you can. We're going to put this in. We're in really good shape right now. If we do what I'm convinced we can do on the 23rd, we'll instantly start getting over $100,000 in interest on the money we've already invested. We're going to do this, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do this. To the glory of God, we're going to do this. In Jesus' name.
And I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't give up and neither does First Church. We're not giving up on your marriage. We're not going to give up on your family. We're not going to give on your dreams. We're not going to give up on your tomorrows. We want to be right there with you. Because I believe you have the potential to be a powerful weapon in the hands of the enemy. And I think that's why the enemy fights you so much. If you're here today and you have just struggled to get, you need to get the memo. There's an enemy that's terrified of what you could be. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. But there's a man I have not yet been. That's the guy that terrifies me. I'm not going to be judged against you and you're not going to be judged against me. I'm going to be judged against the man I was called of God to become. You're going to be judged against the man and the woman that God called you to be. I'll do my be- I'll beg you, I'll do whatever I can, but I, I make a covenant with the Lord around this altar that you're going to serve Him and you're going to bring joy to your King with the rest of your life. And Jesus, will you raise your hands with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, for the privilege to serve you. I'm grateful, God, for the people that are in this room right now. I thank you for all the children. I thank you for the teenagers. I thank you, God, for the acne and the pimples. I thank you for puberty. I thank you, Lord, for a kid that started growing his first mustache. I thank you for young married couples that are in this room right now. I thank you for elders. I thank you for gray hair, brown hair, red hair, no hair. I don't care, Lord. I just thank you for souls. Souls, the bluest of the blue chips, Lord, are in this room here right now. And I believe you called us, God, to reach this community and to have an effect around this world. And so, Lord, you said you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so we're allowing that power to work in us right now. And we're going to dream. And we're going to think big stuff. And we're going to say big stuff because your word says whatever we say, you'll go above it. Whatever we think, you'll eclipse it and go above it. So what have we got to lose? We're going to raise the bar as, as high as we can. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know you got stuff to do, but if you can, return your tithing and your offerings. Sign this banner. Get one of these coins. Amen. Let's just spend just a little bit of time around here right now. Amen. I, I, I know just you got to might have to move, push. I, I get it, but it's just, it's just, just for a little. I, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. They're going to sing a song. Why don't you filter through this crowd? This may be your first day here. I don't care. Would you go introduce yourself to people? Amen. You may have been here for a long time. Don't just shake hands with people you know. Move around here. Don't leave church until you've met at least five people you never met before. Five people you don't know their names. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Graylin?
Thank you all for coming. Greet one another. Have a great day with your family. Amen. If you possibly can, be here tomorrow night in prayer. Monday night is a very special time around here. We see as much done on Monday, sometimes more, as on church on Sunday. All of you watching online, thank you for watching. Thank you for joining and auditing this service. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. God bless every one of you.